Hey, it's Flames, and this is Climate Changers, a podcast where we celebrate the heroes who are on the front lines of creating a new and sustainable resource and energy economy. Today, my guest is Tommy Lindstroth, founder and CEO of Green Badger. Hi, Tommy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What impact does construction in the built environment have on climate? Construction and the built environment uh, accounts for around 40% of all global carbon emissions. So certainly it is a huge portion of the climate discussion. You know, we focus on the construction process itself, but when you look at the building itself and you build these things and they are here for years to come, right? So the decisions you're making today are going to have carbon and climate impacts for 50, 100 years down the road. And so it's really important that we're making those proper decisions today because, again, this is not something you just say, oh, next year I change my mind and I want this to be better. That is certainly not the best way to go about doing it. And with that as context, what is green building certification and how can it help? So green building certification are various third-party programs that help ensure that uh, if you're making claims about constructing a building that is less environmentally impactful, that you're actually doing so. Right. A lot of people could say, hey, I put in one LED light bulb. I've got a green building. Third party rating systems such as LEED and Well and some of the other ones that are in the marketplace help ensure that you're actually doing what you say you're doing. So that if you're a homeowner and you're buying a house that you think is a greenhouse or if you're renting office space and you want to have a lower footprint, that you're actually getting what you're signing up for and you're not getting the wool pulled over your eyes. But in a lot of cases, the paperwork involved in designing and building to a specific standard can be a real pain. What can be done to make it easier? Yeah, so I'm, pro, I'm, I'm super, super pro third-party building certification because in the 20 years I've been doing this, I see a lot of people that say, you know, hey, we're just not going to go through the paperwork. And inevitably, a lot of the green features just get cut out or ignored because there's no one holding uh, their foot to the flame. So I certainly appreciate the value of the third-party systems offer. But as you mentioned, it does require an awful lot of paperwork, which, you know, justifiably, you're building a $20 million building and you want somebody to tell you that it's actually sustainable, you've got to be able to, to document that and the proof's in the pudding. And so I liken it to filing your taxes. At the end of the day, you need to have a 1040 that you're submitting to the IRS, but you've got to have all of your itemized deductions listed. You need your receipts for your donations. You've got to have your W-2s from your employer, all of those other things you've got to have uh, and track throughout the course of the year so that when you go to submit to the IRS, you know, if they come back and audit you, that what you say stands. And really the paperwork side of these building certifications is the same thing. The difference being that these projects can go on for years and you've got literally hundreds of people with their, their hands involved in this process. And so it just becomes an increasingly complex methodology to, to verify uh, the performance of that building. And so, you know, when you just look at, look at the time and effort and just think of the hundreds or thousands of products and materials that go into building a building to be able to prove that they are sustainable and, and have that packaged at the end of the day to get the certification just becomes a job in and of itself, oftentimes for multiple people. And so any way you can streamline that and not, you know, just have these massive Excel spreadsheets and massive product logs and the other ways that are, have traditionally been used to track these and verify these, the much better off you'll be. And so how do we keep them honest and verify that they're really designing and building to the standard they signed up for? 
So getting the, the third-party verification is a big step. So you know our software really acts as a TurboTax for these certifications. So that's sort of where we come in as we help automate all of that paperwork so you don't have to spend hundreds of hours doing it. But as I mentioned, you know, actually getting that package is what is required by the certifying agencies because they are reviewing it because they, you know, they, there's credibility to their standard. There's these, some of these standards are, are codified into zoning codes or they're required by clients. And so if they say, hey, you must earn this certification, that becomes legally binding language. So the review and credibility behind those certifications is rigorous, right? It's, it does take, take a lot of effort to demonstrate. So the complexity is perhaps overworked a little bit, and that's where software systems like ourselves can help make it, but it doesn't uh, diminish the need that you've got to make it challenging enough and you've got to have these project teams be able to demonstrate that, yes, we are actually more energy efficient. We are more water efficient. We did offer good indoor air quality to the occupants of these buildings. And so there is a certain amount of effort that must be taken to really verify that that's what you did on your building. So let's talk about that. What is Green Badger? What's your value proposition and how does it help? Green Badger is a software platform for the construction side of the industry to really help them track, document, and verify all of these sustainable building practices. Uh, as mentioned, the common way of doing it is to have six or eight different spreadsheets and you've got people taking pictures here or putting a product data sheet there. We aggregate all of that and provide teams updates in real time. Uh, a lot of these are moving targets and so you don't want to get to the end of the project and you thought you were doing a great job recycling all your waste and then you find out, oops, we actually did a terrible job. That's going to impact your ability to get a certification. So we automate it where we can. Uh, we eliminate spreadsheets, we provide for real-time collaboration, and at the end of the day, package it up how it needs to go to the certifying agencies to really reduce the risk of, of missing any of those project goals that you have. And where does government at both the local and national level fit into the process of transforming the industry? Sure, they're a powerful driver. So building certifications like LEED, for example, are required on almost any federally funded project. So any building, whether it's a 1,500 square foot you know, refueling station to the Pentagon or something along those lines needs to have the standard. So it really drives it in the commercial side of things. And you see the same on the local side of things. A lot of, there's thousands of municipalities that require it for publicly funded projects. Uh, and then you've got cities that just require it for really anything. So like the city of Boston, anything over the uh, 10,000 square feet, which is you know any significant commercial building has to meet uh, a green building certification threshold. And so public, private, whatever it is, if you want to build a building in that market, it's got to be a, a green building. And that really just drives adoption through the roof when they have those types of requirements out there. Are there new incentives from the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, that can help fast track this transformation? There are definitely a lot of uh, incentives in there, and I won't pretend that I'm as well-versed as I probably should be, but there's have a lot of incentives for retrofits and for improving existing houses and buildings. As I mentioned in the very first statement, was you built these buildings and they're here for a while. And just by nature, things become more energy efficient. And you know, if you're running a, an air conditioning system that's 30 years old, right? odds are that there's better options out there. So there's a lot of rebates to incentivize the consumer to retrofit their own houses, for landlords to retrofit their buildings to really decrease the energy consumption that's used inside of them. There's funding around studying the embodied carbon and using lower embodied carbon materials so that, again, the buildings themselves, the materials used to construct them, have a lower carbon profile, which, again, just helps, helps that transformative marketplace. 
What do you see as promising in the latest advances in low carbon construction technologies? What's interesting is that low carbon materials uh, and equipment is is relatively new. Like the, the concept has been around for a while, but a lot of it is just coming to the forefront in terms of where where project teams are asking for it, where alternatives are being explored now. So I think there's going to be a lot in the next one to three years that is really interesting in the embodied carbon side of things. I think right now what a lot of what we see is a lot of people are just benchmarking and it's really saying, well, we, we don't really even know what the impact of these materials are. So let's start and benchmark across these 20 projects because you know we don't know where to start reducing until you actually measure. There's obviously big players that just leap to the front of the pack, which is things like concrete and structural steel, which make up huge components of a lot of buildings and they themselves have have a lot of embodied carbon. And so the the market is is certainly moving additives that help reduce the embodied carbon of those materials, but you're starting to see it ripple through into carpet and ceiling tiles and drywall. So I think you know, as it's becoming more common, as teams are beginning to benchmark and see where those biggest impacts are, biggest impacts turn into biggest opportunities. And I think that's where we're gonna see the market start shifting. And then outside of the benefits for climate, what will motivate industry leaders and the people who hire them to consider adopting these and other sustainable technologies? I mean, there's obviously the regulatory side of it. If there's a regulation, you've got to do it. But I, I think you start to see it on the financial side a lot more. You start to see the investors and the large portfolio managers and uh, the owners, the clients, they're demanding it, right? They're saying, this is important to us. And so if you've got to be able to do business with them, You've got to figure out how to do that and how to track your carbon and how to, how to use sustainable materials, how to source and vet them, because it's either going to be required by regulation or it's going to be incentivized by, hey, if you want to do business, you've, you've got to get on board with this. It's really, you know, sustainability is a, is a business strategy. Uh, and if you're not doing it, it's a risk. How much business are you willing to lose by, by not going down this road? And, you know, the companies are going to have to make that decision, but I think you'll start to, you know, there'll, there'll be some, some clear winners and some clear losers based on, on what that decision is. And what else can we do to get the construction industry to adopt these technologies at a larger scale? So sometimes in the construction world, it's, you know, is it the cart or the horse, right? Contractors, and that's the world we live in, they'll do anything you tell them to do. You want them to paint a building blue, they'll paint the building blue. So uh, a lot of times if they're not involved early in the process, they get sent a set of plans and says, build this, we already designed it. So I think the biggest opportunity is getting the construction team members into the process earlier and help really with a more integrated design process. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do that, they're going to build what, they're, what they've what they been contracted to build. And somebody's made all of those decisions already. It's really tough to say, hey, you know, here's, here's the completely designed building. Go find me lower embodied carbon materials. Well, you can't really do that because you've already chosen this is going to be a concrete structure with structural steel versus you know, uh, mass timber or something. You know, the, the, those decisions have already been made. It, it's tough for the contractor to do anything but respond to what they see. But I think involving them earlier in the process, having an integrated process is definitely a strategy to help increase adoption and to facilitate lower carbon building. You've had an interesting career trajectory in sustainable design and construction. Could you talk about that journey and what led you to creating Green Badger? Sure. I think that journey it has given me a unique perspective. I started out in the real estate development side. So I started out on the owner side of things through that lens as the director of sustainability. And so 
this was 20 years ago, back when you know, sustainability wasn't the buzzword that it is now. And people looked at us kind of crazy when we said, hey, everything we're going to build is going to be a green building. And they were like, what? What did you do wrong? Did you like get fined or something? And now you have to do this to make amends for some other thing that you did? And we we're like, no, we just think this is really the way that the industry needs to go. And we felt that by we ha have a competitive advantage that would help us attract tenants to help us lease space at a premium, uh, as well as just the overall, you know, we truly felt it was the right thing to do that you should give people high performance, healthy buildings, because that's just how they should be. So really cut my teeth on the ownership side. So it was not tossing ideas out that I could walk away from. These were, we built these buildings and owned and managed these buildings. And so if we wanted to, to go a certain way with sustainability, we, we knew we had to live with those consequences. So that, that was interesting. We did all sorts of things from historic renovations to the first lead certified shopping center, the first lead certified McDonald's. We did some of the first green affordable housing in the state of Georgia. So really, we're able to prove like, hey, especially on the affordable housing side, we're like, if we can deliver you green affordable housing, there's no excuse for people not to do this on all their projects. And so from there, moved into the consulting side of things. So took those lessons learned from doing it for ourselves and, and started helping other people do it to help design and construct and operate green buildings and implement uh, corporate sustainability into their own organizations. And just really through that process, you know, I was using the same techniques that I told you about earlier. I had a bunch of spreadsheets. I had a bunch of manual inspections. I was going up, walking around job sites, like literally picking up a can of paint to read and make sure it was compliant. And I get back to, back to my office and think, man, this is just nuts that I'm having to do all of this stuff manually. And so I uh, really started exploring what other systems were out there me in my own business and I, I didn't really find anything suitable and so that's when I started sketching out what a solution could look like and said man if this could help me on the 25 projects I'm on you know this could help people on 25,000 projects and just the ease of use and the ability to scale led me down the technology route and been there ever since and what makes you optimistic about the future uh, a lot of things make me optimistic about the future, mostly my kids and their, uh, their insanely positive outlook on life. But just being in this industry for 20 years and seeing the evolution and the amazing innovation that we, we as humans can do, I, I, I'm optimistic about that. I mean, just from a, a pure logistical side of things, I mean, green buildings were 20% of the market you know, 10 years ago, and now it's 40% of the market. So, I mean, we're just seeing an escalation in sustainability, it becoming more common low carbon being part of an everyday discussion that people are having that I think that there's solutions out there that don't require us you know, coming up with cold fusion or stuff like that. So I think uh, we can continue to work our way and, and, and hopefully find a solution out of those. Tommy, thank you for your efforts to transform the construction industry to become more sustainable and low carbon. And thank you for joining this episode of Climate Changers. I appreciate you having me. Every episode of Climate Changers has a call to action posted in the show notes. Each call to action has been curated to make it easy for you to help create the changes that we discussed today. Thank you for joining Climate Changers. Until next time.